Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Anna Bibikova, a defender and cheerleader for introverts and entrepreneurship. Anna knows what it means to be skeptical of those loud and salesy marketing tactics you find everywhere. Those might work great for extroverts, but not so much for the quiet types. Today, we'll talk about how you can build a public-facing brand without resorting to all these obnoxious and much-too-in-your-face kind of tactics. We'll talk about being introverted, working with introverts, and serving introverts. Here's Anna. One thing that I'm super interested in that really jumped at me from the start when I was looking at your work, like, who is Nigel the introvert? Tell me more about Nigel. What's going on with that? All right, all right. So there is quite an interesting story behind it. Uh, you know, I've been very introverted all my life. And obviously, it's not something that you can change in yourself. There is uh, there is a question of, is it more nature or nurture? Uh, there is not kind of general agreement, like it's 100% nature. But um, what science actually tells us that in most cases, maybe 50% of temperament is um, inherited from your parents. It can be either a parent like mom or dad. Uh, doesn't matter. Uh, obviously, it can be changed throughout the years uh, based on your um, actual, the, the environment that you grew in. Uh, but if we look at the twins, uh, especially um, uh, the fraternal twins, that the one that shared the, 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 the space in their mom's body, uh, then uh, they would have different, uh, they will have the same level of introversion versus extroversion, uh, where when non-fraternal twins can have different levels of uh, being happy and, and, and being, being able to recharge their social batteries, uh, and the group versus uh, being able to recharge it while being alone. Uh, so yes, uh, and uh, I've been introverted since I was little and I knew it about myself. I, did, I just didn't know that it was called introversion. I was just feeling that I'm kind of secluded, very, um, very happy to be alone. The best uh, time uh, when, when I was asked, what is your kind of dream day? How would you like to spend your time uh, when being able to choose anything you want? I would say, uh, I stayed home reading. So that was my yeah. the, the best thing I could think of. And uh, yeah, I, and my parents, they constantly tried to push me out of my cell, telling me that it's not something that a teenager or a child should do, that uh, I should go out there and make more friends, that I will be missing out on so many opportunities in my life if I don't learn how to network and socialize. And I believe that's most probably what every parent used to tell their kids, like, over 30 years ago, uh, and it was considered to be like a social standard to be outgoing and, 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 and try to learn uh, social skills. I'm not saying that uh, it, it was the best thing to do, like teaching me some social skills, but the best thing was to actually push me out there without explaining how I should do it. And because my parents were 
uh, they are mostly extroverted, I would say. I'm not sure who I picked it up from in my family. Uh, but we had this kind of misunderstanding uh, because we're on, we're on totally different pages. And on top of everything, I felt constantly betrayed, you know, like as a child, uh, the same people who are supposed to protect me, they were uh, trying to push me out there to the world and, and make me face a threat, something that I felt very uncomfortable with. And I made this promise to myself that I would never do it to my own children. Uh, when I grow up and I have children, I will, and I, they, they end up being like me. I told myself when I was, I don't know, 10, 12 years old, I would never try to make them go out there and make more friends if they don't want to do it. If they uh, want to spend their time reading books, playing computer games or do whatever they want, I, I will let them do it. <clears throat> And so obviously when I had children, uh, my elder one turned out to be very introverted. And on one hand, I had this uh, kind of promise to myself. And on the other, I had the parental responsibility to actually teach my child how to deal with this, uh, with this temperament, with this way of thinking about the world. And obviously I ended up agreeing with my parents that going and making friends is a good thing. And if you don't, if you don't interact, if you don't socialize, you indeed will miss on so many things and you, you will not see the world and its beauty, right? So you will, you will have very uh, tunneled vision, very uh, limited experience, something that's limited to your own, um, to your own experience, to things that you're able to see with your own eyes when uh, being actually a well-developed person means uh, being able to look at one thing from different angles and you will never be able to do it if you don't interact with other people. And especially because I had this experience growing up in India, meeting with people from absolutely different cultures, something that I would never meet while growing up in Europe, for example. And I ended up realizing how valuable this diversity and experience actually is. So uh, uh, I had this other goal, like on the scale, two things on the scale, on different sides of it, being uh, like a responsible parent and actually teaching my child the, the beauty of interaction, the beauty of socializing. And on the other hand, now wanting uh, them to be threatened and and loved and, and pushed somewhere, I was thinking of how I can frame it in something more digestible. How can I teach my child? Um, how can I even convey my own feelings about it? Because as an introvert, uh, I, I have troubles with this. I can't <laughs> tell exactly what I feel. Uh, it, it's not very easy to convey my, my inner emotions and my inner world to other people. So, uh, yeah, and that's how I came up with the idea of imaginary cat character. Uh, because if you're talking about not yourself, but someone imaginary, it's not me, it's a cat. That's what the cat feels. It ends up being much easier to, to explain things that are happening in my own head. And I started reading a lot on this topic. I uh, started like listening to podcasts and reading to them. I, I've been interested in this 
uh, neurological stuff for, for years now, especially when I was running my retail business. I was very curious how I could do uh, the boost in sales and revenue without uh, opening up new shops and new stores every single month. So how can I actually improve the efficiency of the existing locations? And if there is a way to do it, like with, with smells on co or colors or stuff like that. And I started reading books on uh, behavioral economics and uh, neurological studies, but I've never actually connected this with my own nature of being an introvert. And while, while facing this problem and decided, when I decided to create this introvert Nigel character, I started reading books of introver on introversion as well. And yeah, that's how it all ended up. I started drawing. I'm not, I'm not an artist. I don't know how to draw. So my own ended up very primitive, but that was not the point, right? We, we just actually used this cat as um, a reason to start the conversation. Basically, we sat through the weekend, uh, allocated maybe two, three hours to draw everything. And then every single day, like as a part of our, I don't know, you can call it family therapy. <laughs> uh, before, uh, before dinner was served, we sat and started this conversation about introversion and how I look at it. What does my child see and feel while looking at this picture? So yeah, I tried to make it more or less entertaining. Uh, but on the other hand, it was very important for me to be passionate about it as well. So if I, if I um, went down the like primitive, primitivization, making it more simplifying all the ideas to make it more digestible for a child, I would never last for more than maybe a couple of weeks, right? Because as an introvert, I feel it that every conversation should be meaningful. If it's not meaningful, I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and I think it went quite well for several months. Then it was, you know, like summer vacation, stuff like that. And everyone, everything was messed up. I think <clears throat> I'll get back to this project maybe, maybe in the nearest future. <laughs> it's it's a wonderful project i really resonate with it too because i like you um grew up being introverted without knowing what it is like, i think that's that's one of the biggest problems that almost i think all the introverts i know face that they don't have the vocabulary for it or if they have it it's always tainted in a very negative way right you you have exactly. you, you're not called introvert you're called secluded or shy or yeah. um, isolated. There's always something antisocial anti about it. That's exactly what it is. It feels like people think that to be per a, like a meaningful participant in a society, you need to be extroverted. As if diversity was not an option, right? It's, it's such a weird thing. And in seeing Nigel and in seeing the, the topics of this so simplified or... Um, maybe essentialized is a better word, right? You 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 kind of reduce it, boil it down to the essence of what it is ab is about. I think you are actually helping a lot of people much older than your kids, just coming to coming to understand the basic concepts of their own nature. 
Because I also feel it's been something that in my family, I was more introverted than anybody else. And it may not seem like this now that I have this public persona or that I am a public person. It's always kind of hard to juggle these two. But um, that's another thing I really wanted to talk to you about because I feel introversion is... It's it's already on a spectrum, right? You have the the whole supposed spectrum between full out extrovert and full out introvert, and then beyond that, there there are almost um, the illnesses, like mental states that are determined to be like way too introverted to be in the spectrum of normal and way too extroverted on the other side. You have this behavioral disorders, I guess, is what you would call it. And I I feel like my introversion is not a general introversion it's it's kind of hard to describe but i only feel introverted for things that i don't care about i don't know if that makes sense if, if that is a an apt it description makes total sense. that's actually <laughs> the basic characteristics of introverts okay. we have it to be meaningful otherwise we don't care about this stuff otherwise it's just an energy drainer uh, but actually, if we think about it, there is a very good logical explanation for how we used to feel when we were children. And it hasn't actually changed, maybe 100%. Uh, because, you know, throughout the history, white people have never been the outcasts, right? The, the ones that who were expected to hide their quiet demeanor. Because quite thoughtful, introverted, less engaged, even recluses, these people who possessed all these qualities, they were considered wise. Or maybe like privy to some secret knowledge. And then something happened. Some people believe that it was, you know, like kind of Western versus Eastern culture fight. Uh, Others blame uh, the rise of psychoanalysis and self-help literature. But if we think about it, it was actually all due to the technological change. It all, it all comes down to the Industrial Revolution and the resulted change in the social structure. When people stopped living in the small, cozy, familiar societies where they didn't have to prove who they were every single day, where they moved to big cities to work on giant, you know, faceless factories and live in the old similar cell-like apartments where everyone knew no one. And this type of big industrial production implied a new type of social structure where horizontal links and the society had to, rebuild, to be rebuilt over and over again because you ended up, every single day, you ended up in a new big uh, group of people you knew nothing about. And uh, plus, if we add the disruption of all familiar traditional links in the big families between, you know, faraway siblings who are even located in different, in different cities... It all led to the rise of this shouty leadership type. And you know how, how, how they say that sometimes you have to run just to stay on one place? Well, in this case, with the Industrial Revolution, the society ended up being structured in a way where everyone had to yell to be heard, uh, even as if they were talking about the whisper level. And so for extroverts, this being outgoing and shouty and always available, always visible, it came naturally. 
but for quiet types, it turns out to be a nightmare. And because we are not actually antisocial, right? We will all still want to be a part of a pack. We're still humans. We had to play this game anyway, because otherwise we were kind of excluded from the society. And if we think about it again, it impacted a lot our understanding how like businesses should be built, how marketing should be made, how an entrepreneurship worked in general, because entrepreneurship and marketing in a narrow sense, it's just a part of our general worldview systems, right? And if we consider it, if we consider that yelling is a, is a new standard, it's normal. You have to be very loud and shouty to be a part of the group then it's, it comes as a no surprise that efficient marketing strategies were the ones that are very shouty and pitchy and salesy, like sending 100 cold emails just to win one customer deal. It's a great job. No, uh, who cares that this customer will churn next month? You still did a great job because you send out 100 cold emails or like using all the possible hacky ways to get your customers. That's great. Where do I hire this person? Uh, because nothing was considered like illegal when it came down to being shouty and bitchy and being efficient in this sense, being visible, right? And again, let's be honest because we were considered to be horrible leaders. Like by both sides, we ourselves considered ourselves to be horrible leaders because we grew up with this uh, impression that a true leadership is about being loud, being visible, being salesy, being tough. And if you don't, don't, um, don't satisfy these high standards, <laughs> Uh, then you can be a proper leader. So we never even try to get up there and we were considered like, and because we never went up there, we did not, we didn't set the rules. We didn't have this chance to set the rules. And well, that lasted for many, many years. And then something, something different happened again. And again, it all went down to the technological change because uh, the tech was built that made this online interaction available to everyone that disrupted and basically demolished the entrance barriers, right? Like 20, 25 years ago, to build your own business, you had to apply for a loan in the bank or you had to pitch your project to investors and you had to be very convincing uh, showing that you are a brilliant salesperson, that you will be able to sell to sell snow to snowmen in winter. Uh, it was the only way to build a business, to get access to money and to be visible. Now it's totally different. Basically, anyone can do it. Someone who's got a laptop and an, uh, an access to Wi-Fi connection, everyone can build a business. And because of the, this because the barriers are very, uh, basically non-existent. This opened up new opportunities for quite an introverted types again. 
And uh, because we are getting back to building small familiar information bubbles, small environments, very similar to those that our ancestors used to live thousand years ago in small villages. We built the same stuff online, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on, uh, I don't know, other social networks. Uh, we create these little communities. We feel not threatened again. We don't have to shout. It's getting back to building these horizontal links between people and the old, more traditional, actually more natural style of thought leadership is coming into view and winning more and more votes. And uh, more and more people uh, begin to understand that being a true leader is not about being loud. It's about being actually able to show your vulnerability. It's being able to lead by example. It's being, uh, being honest, being thoughtful, uh, being more quiet if you wish. And all modern marketing tactics and, and concepts that are being more and more recognizable right now, that if you read this literature on marketing that is being published, uh, no one is actually supporting this idea of being pitchy and salesy anymore. Uh, the most effective marketing tactics are considered to be the ones that actually resonate great with introverted types like don't be spammy don't be pitchy with your potential customers learn as much as you can about your ideal customer what they like what they're passionate about where they come from what their job to be done is and uh, add their social media preferences people they follow and craft a personalized message for them and it, try to engage with them in a very personalized, natural way. Uh, don't make it automatic. Don't make them feel used. Make them feel loved. Or favor one-on-one -on -one connections and relationship with your customer over group communication. Again, this is something that resonates with every introverted person. We're so bad in group communication but we can be incredibly good in one-on-one -on -one conversation and it's actually building a relationship. Uh, then like show your vulnerabilities again, something that was unthought of, uh, unthinkable 20 years ago. Now it's a new way of doing marketing. Make your brand imperfect for people to resonate with it for people to love it because you can't love something that is absolutely perfect. You can't love Mona Lisa because it's just a masterpiece. You can admire it, you can look at it, but you can't love it. Uh, well, well, you can love very imperfect cookie made by your granny and so on and so forth. So it's very, very understandable and it's very it's very logical all this change that we are seeing and the most fascinating thing is that all related to change in tech does wow first off that was a a lot and a lot of really good stuff like i'm i'm still processing this i i love the phrase that you used in in with this loud and shouty thing 
and this there's also this um approach of trying to get as many people as possible group communication gigantic outreach uh, the term that comes to mind is volume in in both ways right volume in terms of the the loudness of something and volume in terms of the the amount of people and either way the higher the volume the 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 lower the actual relationship to each individual person that you're relating to Right? If you yell at somebody, that's really not a way to meaningfully communicate. And if you yell at a thousand people at the same time, any one of them will feel as one of a thousand, not as one on one that you, you actually want to talk to. That I think that's why I also really as as many followers as I may have, I try to at least interact with as many of them as possible. Because like, what is the point of having this communication channel? If I don't know who I'm talking to, right? Like for, for somebody who wants to do meaningful stuff and wants to build meaningful connection with people, I, I want to see each person behind this Twitter screen or whatever social network I may be on, even in my emails, as a real person that I'm talking to. Because that is the whole point of my existence, right? That's right. And, you know, I actually had maybe in the beginning of our conversation, I was going to ask you, how do you manage to interact <laughs> with so many people? But when actually you, we started talking about it, I figured out that it's not that you interact with all of them. You interact with them one by one. Yes. And if you put it this way, you try to see every single person behind the screen and interact with it. You are not trying to cover all of your followers. You are trying to, to see every single person there. Then it's much less overwhelming because for me as an introvert, just this part of being active on social media is the most overwhelming one. So it's, it's just, uh, when I start answering all the replies and when I start, I feel very natural when I ask questions, when I join the conversations, because I, I feel kind of in control, right? But when, when I have to answer all the replies, <laughs> that's the most overwhelming part. But if I try to learn how to deal with it, I mean, like seeing seeing it on a very personal level, not just answering everyone, but answering each of them, then it might it might be a different picture, different angle altogether. That, that's the only way I feel like if I get equally overwhelmed by a list of things. Like if you, you should see my email. You should see the emails I don't reply to, even though I want to. That's the thing, right? Like there, people ask me questions, people want something from me, and I'm like, eh, I have other things to do. Like my inbox is horrible because of this, because I don't want to like put myself into this space where I'm responsible for something because I have other things on my mind and my focus is worth this. And now here's this external thing that wants something from me that freaks me out all the time. But then I, I, I find the time I go through it. I, I work through it. It's, it's work, right? It's, it's mental work too. It takes a lot of attention and drains a lot of my energy to deal with it, but it has to happen. And the easiest way for it to happen on social media or any other medium is to really approach this as this is a continuation of an actual conversation that I have with a human being, like with you right now, right? I, I talk to you through, through this microphone and into this camera, so we have a connection. And an email is just like, you know, a little compartment here. And then a couple days later, that it continues. And then a couple weeks later, it may also continue. I have to reframe it as a continual conversation to be in the right space to communicate with that person. That's the trick that I use for myself. And this is a great opportunity to talk about the sponsor of this show today. 
Microacquire is the number one startup acquisition marketplace, and it's simply the most efficient way to sell your startup when you're ready to make a next move. Typically, as a first-time founder, you really have no idea what you're getting yourself into when you go through an acquisition. And Microacquire wants to change that for you and empower you when you're speaking with buyers and then really help you streamline this whole process of getting acquired for the maximum price without any of the headaches that come with having to go through this alone. You don't need to go alone. Microacquire can help. And they have helped thousands of startups successfully get acquired at this point, and they have facilitated hundreds of millions in close deal volume. So if you're thinking about selling your startup, you might want to check out Microacquire. Go to microacquire.com to learn more. We've been talking about like outreach marketing from the perspective of an introvert. And I would assume that many, many people are drawn to, you know, indie hacking, solo entrepreneurship, particularly coming from the technical side, because I guess among the nerds, of which I am a proud one, there are a lot of introverted people, right? So what I find so interesting in what you're talking about and the work that you're doing is that you're actually helping a lot of people coming out of their shell in the, the most proverbial sense and understanding that, oh, there actually is a meaningful way for me to not just do what I like, which is building things for people, but actually making them interested in it in a way that doesn't hurt me. So I, I love this. I love your don't shout approach. What I do want to talk about is how you can actually make this a reality because if you are in a world that is still slightly um, permeated with people who are shouting all the time like in a world where everybody's shouting how do you stay quiet uh yeah you know there there are so many misconceptions a misunderstanding about um introverts and sales and marketing and how actually introverted people can be great in, in selling stuff uh, and there are several basic rules about it that we should remember that uh, being great at sales doesn't mean talk, being chatty, talking all the time. Mm -hmm. The best salesperson, they are the best listeners. And if you are able to listen and actually understand what your customer is talking about and channel it into the right direction and connect their requirements, their aspirations, their wishes with the product that you are building, or even better, build the product based on what you are hearing, then it's the best way to sell. And uh, actually, introverted people are much better in li at listening than extroverted ones. There, there have been so many researches and studies that prove this, that introverted people, because we are quiet, and uh, the, the, the main misunderstanding about introverted introverts is that we don't like to be, we feel overwhelmed in big communities, in a big group, and in a room full of people because we're antisocial. But that's not the case. We're actually extra social. Our mind works in a way that we are tuned into receiving all types of social cues. We are like a big antennae trying to catch all the signals. We can't focus on one. We are like feel responsible if we're in this room with so many people we have to catch all the signals and that's what actually makes us overwhelmed and tied so fast 
because we're getting so much information. Extroverts are not like this. They are able to focus their attention on one person at a time and they don't hear anything else. Or more often, they hear their own voices and they don't <laughs> listen to anyone else. Uh, they constantly think what they're going to say next. They don't listen to people who are talking. And uh, with introverts, we are, we are very attuned to other people saying, man, we are mu we're much better and actually noticing little details. That's why we're so good at nerdy stuff, right? Because we are very attuned to noticing details. And um, yeah, because of that, we're actually much better listeners. And if we task ourselves with listening to people, listening to our customers, we can be much better in this than any average extrovert uh, because that's what we are. Well, that's who we are. We are like antennae that capturing all the signals. Uh, the second thing is that, um, again, uh, being... Uh, being, being, as I mentioned, that the modern concepts of marketing and sales is not about uh, trying to reach out to as many people as you can. It's about finding the right people to reach out to, finding the right persons who would be very passionate about what you're doing and who would really benefit from your product. And in this way, it's not, it's not actually so annoying if we think about it, right? It's a win-win situation. If you're building a product that people really need, something that would be meaningful to them, something that would actually, a, a game changer, something that, that, that would save their life, time, money, or whatever, something that would really be helpful and something that they would appreciate, then we kind of feel in a different way about it. We feel much better about building something that is useful yeah. uh, versus building something that we will have to push onto our audience something that nobody wants and will struggle a lot trying to explain what 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 kind of things we're building uh, and all this concept <laughs> about niching down finding the right customers it's about the same things finding audiences that will benefit most from your product and in this in this scenario you will not sound pitch and salesy to them you will sound really helpful and for us, as for introverts, it's very important to be helpful. It's very important to do something meaningful. If we see that things that we are building uh, are actually appreciated and they actually save someone's day, then it's a totally different story. It's inspiring. It's motivational. You can do much further with building this stuff. And uh, you don't want to quit. Even if you can't find paying customers straight away, just seeing that you're building something that people actually need, it's very motivational and it helps you to, to, to stick around for longer. Yeah, it gives you energy, right? It gives you the, the, it doesn't drain energy to even interact with people if you can kind of feel that there's something there, that there's something like either you're already doing it or you're just, just around the corner. I love this. I love the approach. Um, of I think to to synthesize these two things first, like you're you're the magnet, right? You're the magnet for for uh, the, the signals from from the people around you, and you're also capable of finding the right people by listening really intently. This is perfect, like when you are an entrepreneur within a community, right? I have this embedded entrepreneurship approach where I kind of 
tell people to go into a community, start listening, take notes, what they're, what they're saying, and then figure out what is the most critical issue that you can find. What are the solutions that people already use? How can you build something that fits into this and really helps people solve their problem in a novel way? That sounds like the perfect activity for an introvert because you're really good at listening. You're you don't you're not shouty, so you're not gonna scare people away if you join a new community. You're just there and and taking it all in. And in being able to get all these signals so well, you take in much more than a person that would just go in there with the intent to sell, sell, sell would be able to see. Right? You you have the different kind of filter. So in in that regard, intro introvertedness is a benefit to being an entrepreneur compared to, you know, as, as we all grew up where people told us, Hey, introvert, not so good. Go out and yell or something, go out and have a party. I hate parties. I'm not a party fan. I, I don't, I don't Same like here. it. Yeah. But Same. because but the moment I go into a room, I have to understand it and I have to be present with everybody. Of course I don't have to have to, but it's, it's an internal need. And it drains me so quickly. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that we feel much better when we host a party than we yeah. actually when we actually join the party? So I, I wonder if that's yeah, about control. Most most introverts also have these control issues. It's about controlling the uncertainty. If we yeah. face the uncertainty, and it's the party is the most uncertain situation for an introvert because you meet with so many different people and you don't know what to expect from them. And if you host a party, then it's much less. You kind of feel in control. And that's why actually social media is a perfect space for introverts because you can control your interactions much more there than in the real life. If you feel overwhelmed, if you don't want to show up, don't do Turn it. it off. Yeah, that's right. And it actually <laughs> helps you to show up more often because you don't feel threatened constantly. Uh, and yeah, I believe that social media was created by introverts for introverts specifically. Right. <laughs> I think it's a great place uh, to to be right now. It's funny though, right? The the mechanisms of how it's being monetized and how people are gaming the system for attention are again shouty things, right? These gigantic <laughs> threads that people pushed where they look for virality and in recycling regurgitated knowledge, all that stuff that really isn't meaningful, but it's loud and it attracts people. And the way that the the whole ad system works, both on Twitter and Facebook and all these platforms, where the, the more money you pay, the more flashy it gets gets the more people actually look at it it just feels like it's been built for introverts by introverts but then usurped by the, the traditional way of making money that's just been placed on top of it right? yeah but general stats tells us that introverts compress about 25 percent of population so it makes sense <laughs> for the founders to go after much more lucrative market uh but I mean, and that's okay if that's the way system works, right? We still can find comfort in that little corners that we f we are comfortable in. And besides, it actually helps to create, to get into these communities that you mentioned, become an embedded entrepreneur and using social media is a great way to do it. So if we can use it as a tool, why not? If other shouty people can help this system to live much longer, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we all have to adapt. That's kind of what entrepreneurship is, right? Adapt to the reality out there and then make it make it happen. 
I, I, I wonder, like as um, many introverts, and, and I'm talking from my own um, experience here, have trouble both expressing and understanding strong emotion. Right. There's there's something about like extroverts that have a much easier time with strong emotion. And in marketing, you kind of want to evoke this in others. Right. You want to make other people excited for your work, for the problem that they have and how you can solve it. So as somebody who has problems with strong emotions, how do you evoke it in others? Uh, in general, you don't have to evoke strong emotions. It's like with the principles of storytelling, you know, uh, you don't have to, uh, it's like, uh, you know, the big stories, something that like uh, life-threatening experiences or catastrophes or like close to death experience. That's something that you might think could create a great story, but it does not. It's something that you might feel very excited to tell to someone, but it doesn't create this connection between the listeners and the storyteller. It doesn't create the resonance. People can't resonate with this experience because let's be honest, and luckily not every one of us goes through close to that experience. While we had, well, when a person is talking about, you know, friendships or relationship between in the family something that you can really resonate with something when you listen to it you know oh my that happened to me like a couple of years ago or this is something that i've been thinking about yesterday that actually creates the best story the story that people will share and tell each other over and over again and something that will be memorable no one will remember a story about close to death experience. Maybe they will say, wow, what a great experience, but they will not remember it. They will never come back to reread it, or they will never come back to their families and tell the same story, or it, never, it will never change their lives. Well, little stories, very, you know, basically something that would, considered to be like daily experiences, something that can happen to everyone that creates the best stories and evoking emotion in people is, is about the same things. So very little small things that people will be able to resonate with. Uh, like building public is, is functions in the same way. When you share your experiences, it resonates with other people. And uh, they start following you. They start being more invested, more interested in your product and your project. And even if they don't become customers, eventually that might happen as well because not everyone will use the product that you are building. But just being able to listen to you, to resonate with your story on a personal human level, they will feel invested. This creates this endowment effect, you know, when people feel invested, they're much more likely to recommend the product to someone else, even if they don't use it. But they know the founder, they, they connect it on this human level, and they will be the amplifiers of the message. They will spread the word anyway. So again, it's a win-win situation. Just sharing what you have, the bad things and the good things, the thinking process, something that 
you might consider uh, uh, something that we usually have this imposter syndrome about, right? No one is interested in it. It's so like regular. It's so unexciting. But the unexciting things are actually the most exciting ones. Right. And yeah, that's that's how it works. That's a, yeah, I think that is also a really good solution on how to do self-promotion as a calm or quiet or an introvert per, introverted person. It's not about telling people that you're the greatest. It's just being relatable. It's like, I am in the same boat as you. I understand the, your problems because I feel them. I understand you. And here's what I do that mirrors what you do. And now here I'm trying to solve this problem once and for all for everybody. Which is why building exactly. in public is such a solid way of self-promoting. Because it's not promoting yourself. It's promoting what you do for others. Exactly. And that's why I feel so upset when many founders who want to do this building in public thing, they do it in a quite, you know, um, not the most efficient way. <laughs> they want to share, but they, 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 uh, I see their struggle trying to find the exciting things to share. Well, they should be doing the, it all the way around. They should be sharing their waves, like the decision-making process, the behind-the-scenes the stuff how they come to this conclusion, how they failed here, and what lessons have they learned from there. They, and they constantly try to find, you know, the winning things. Like if they don't have 1,000 customers, they don't feel comfortable sharing it. While, yeah, it, it's actually great. It, it works. Let's, let's, not, um, let's not lie about it. It actually works when you share your wins as well. It motivates other people and it creates the social proof effect, you know, when, when you have other customers, then you're probably making a great product that I should try it out because other people are using it. So it does, but it doesn't create the connection. It doesn't create this, uh, relative, uh, uh, this relatability on the human level. While sharing your vulnerabilities, sharing your failures, sharing the lessons that you've learned, that stuff actually creates the necessary link for people to, to become your very devoted fans, to become your friends, to become your family there on social media, someone who would be very, very invested in your product on a personal level and someone who will be creating this word of mouth effect. Yeah, I see long-term retention is so much higher when you have an authentic connection. Not just a connection built on the highlight reel, which is kind of what, what I call this just the best kind of things, right? Just the win, 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 and this great thing happened, and this amazing thing happened, and oh, wow, I did not expect this to be this great. And I, I also share these things because I genuinely feel, wow, this is really cool. But then, obviously... If I don't share the, the flip side of it, then people only get to see like this shallow little surface of what I'm doing. And I don't want people connecting just with the surface. That, that's not the point of a, of a meaningful relationship, right? But what I want is to connect with them on every single level so that they understand also sometimes why I do things that make no sense, right? They come from a different decision that was maybe made when, I, when things didn't work so well. So if, if I just share my highlight reel, then all of a sudden there's this weird decision. That it's just inconsistent. And no relationship ever could be built on an inconsistent level of connection. That's, that's, that's how I, my mind frames this whole authenticity thing. And a person that only connects with this top layer of this is only the best kind of stuff, well, 
they will be very quickly surprised and maybe also disillusioned if they ever see something negative happening to you. Something that, that does not fit this story, this narrative of being a constant hero winning all your battles. Right? You, you're, built, you're essentially lying to people. It's what it is if you don't talk about the things that don't work well. Yeah, absolutely. You are absolutely right. As I said, the new perfect is imperfect. <laughs> you have to create very, uh, you have to put a human face and actually an actual founder behind every brand now. And that strategies, marketing strategies or sales strategies that work really much, much better than Jane just discussing some kind of faceless, even perfect logo that people can't resonate with. Uh, on the other hand, uh, it also raises kind of the question, how far should we go discussing our imperfections? How far should we go showing our vulnerabilities? And what kind of narratives should we project on social media? Because one thing or not, it's still a performance, right? It's not. We can't show the whole depth of our personalities, all sides of our medals. So it's still kind of, uh, a balance, uh, a balance between uh, being helpful and uh, being human, being uh, like sharing something valuable. And that's how I try to find this balance. I constantly ask myself, is there a lesson that other people might learn from me sharing this? Uh, if there is, I would be happy to share. And I always try to show this is my takeaway. Maybe you can come uh, to, to another conclusion. Maybe you will be learning another lesson from my story, uh, but it's up to you to decide. Here is what I had and there is my outcome. Uh, but if it's just, you know, ranting and being negative, it's not something that I want to project on social media because there is so much negativity in this world. Yeah, that's right. I don't want to add up to this. I don't want to be another source of it. And in general, I don't know. I'm just this type of a person that I can be thinking about half empty glass, but to my own. I will never share this <laughs> uh, this world with, with others because I kind of feel my responsibility to um, to create more positive environment around myself. Yeah, you you attract what you put out, right? If you if you project positivity, you attract positive people, or at least people who think that it's possible to be positive, right? Because there's always <laughs> ups and downs. But, yeah, uh, but that if, is if you possible. yeah, if, if you if you're just ranting all the time, if you're complaining, then that will attract those who relate to that strongly and who also don't really see a way out of it. Which is probably why Twitter in particular as a platform, and I'm, I'm using that every single day, it can be so polarizing if you follow the wrong people. And it can be so liberating and so empowering if you follow the right people. <laughs> it just this go, it kind of boils down to what you said with like b finding the right people. That's not just about customers. That's not just about prospects. It's about the people that in, like inform your life. The people that that create the things you read and create the thing, or just talk the people you talk to on an everyday basis. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said in the beginning, we're kind of recreating online these little societies our ancestors used to live thousand years ago. Like we all confined to these little villages 
And if we end up in the right one with the right neighbors in a very peaceful environment, we actually enjoy the whole experience. Uh, if our neighbors are toxic, horrible bastards, <laughs> then we want very fast to leave the premises and go somewhere else. Ah. So it's, it's absolutely the same. We're getting yeah. back to where we started from. Well, if if people want to include you in their tiny little village, where would they find you? Where would they go to, to figure out how to spend more time with you and your work? Okay, so yeah, I also, my platform of choice ended up being Twitter as well. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I am very grateful that you were my entrance point there. That's how I ended up in the right village, in a very peaceful <laughs> and enjoyable one. And um, yeah, so I, you can, everyone can find me on Twitter, uh, Anna Bibikova, or No Tech Anna, because I started long ago trying to explain that though I'm in a startup community, startups are not all about tech. There are so right. many other things that we should talk about around there. And well, also I'm trying to be more active on LinkedIn because I have many uh, students uh, from the mentorship programs that I'm a part of uh, who more actively use this social media, especially, you know, founders from the Middle East. They, they don't use Twitter at all. So I try to put out some useful content there as well. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's good to know that you're also diversifying your platforms to reach different kinds of people. I think that that all by itself is an interesting and recommendable lesson for people, right? It's not all just one place. The villages that we have in the virtual world, they can take many different shapes and they have multiple little parts, little neighborhoods that may be in Absolutely. very different platforms. I'm right? trying two different villages in two different, on two different planets. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. That's this whole thing. And then there's the, the whole language situation, right? That we, we, we often focus only on one language in which we communicate to reach as many people as possible. But even for myself, like I'm, I'm sometimes I'm trying to help German people speaking German and being able to communicate my thoughts in, in my, my native language, that helps a whole other community that may be excluded from having access to that one village, right? Because they, they don't know where it is. They can't read the signs leading to it. Anyhow, um, thank you so much again for, for being here today. I, it was awesome to talk to a fellow introvert. That's always exciting. you know. And um, thank you for, for sharing all these lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing all these these lessons and uh, how we can use our strength as an introvert to build a business and to reach people and tell them what they need and share with them what they can use. So thank you so much for being on today. Thank you, Arvid. Thank you. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Boots of Founder podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L, and you'll find my book, Zero to Sold, The Embedded Entrepreneur, and my Twitter course, find you following there as well. If you want to support this podcast and me, please go to ratethispodcast.com slash founder and leave a rating and a review. You can find the time. It would be an amazing and very helpful gesture. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. <laughs>